It's been two weeks since USC pulled the plug as the Pac-12's life support system. When they announced they were taking their brothers and sisters, once removed, UCLA, along with them across the country, joining the big conference. However, before both programs leave, they're going to take a two-year farewell tour through the Pac-12, where emotions will be should be still raw. So if you're a fan who likes to travel with their team on the road, these next two seasons should be interesting. Let's talk about it on this episode of Locked On USC. Hello again, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thanks for listening to Locked On USC, and thanks for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Locked On USC is growing. We appreciate you coming along for the ride. And I want to say thank you. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, and we are free. All right. The, the Pac-12 is essentially on life support. Um, so with 10 programs basically staring death in the face, uh, the five stages of grief is, have taken over. You know, everyone who's listening, I'm sure you've all heard about the five stages of grief. And more than likely, you know, you probably have experienced some sort of significant loss in your life. Well, you know, those remaining 11 Pac-12 members, and I say 11 because I won't put myself in the mind of a UCLA Bruin. I just, I can't go there. Um, those, everyone's kind of experiencing one of the other four stages of grief, which are uh, denial, anger, bargaining, and depression. Um, with that fifth final stage being acceptance. Now, I believe for the most part, USC and her fans, again, for the most part, uh, I believe they've reached the final stage of acceptance. And as far as accepting the idea of, you know, being a lame duck member of the Pac-12 for these next two years, that's all USC has to accept as far as going through the grief process because everything else is uh, moving on to a, better life if you are if you you believe in reincarnation usc is coming back bigger and better and stronger and more wealthy somewhere else stay tuned um however uh for these next two years uh, as i mentioned usc is going to be on a farewell tour uh, when they hit the road going to these stadiums uh, for the final time so the 2022 usc road schedule has has the Trojans playing at Stanford, at Corvallis, at Utah, at Arizona and Tucson, and they finish their uh, their road trip of the the first leg of the farewell tour at their second home um, in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl when they take on UCLA. So you know, on this episode, I think I wanted to kind of have a little fun and take a guess at what stage each of these scheduled teams on this leg of the farewell tour, where they'll be um, when USC shows up. So um, as I just mentioned, Stanford is going to be the first stop on when USC hits the road. Now I'm going to say that Stanford's in the, uh, they've reached the bargaining stage uh, of grief, uh, but you know, they, they're also, you know, they, have, they probably also have a good segment of their fan base that's probably going to be stuck in that anger stage. Um, there's a, you know, if you ever go back and follow the history and the tradition of USC versus Stanford, it, it's kind of a, that third bitter rivalry uh, that USC can 
can attach themselves to. First and foremost, the respected rivalry against Notre Dame, the crosstown rivalry with that school um, out west known as UCLA, which is it's an important rivalry. And then I, I think third on that list, most would agree, uh, is going to be Stanford. You know, there was a time when John McKay was USC's head coach. He, he wanted to beat Stanford at the time. It was known as the Indians, 2000 to nothing. Um, again, there's a lot of animosity between these two schools. They're the only two private schools in the Pac-12 as we know it. And, you know, Stanford has always been the, the brains of the conference, and USC was always known as the brawn. So um, when those two programs meet, it's, a, it's kind of a meeting of two different cultures coming together. Yeah, Stanford has that, you know, people call USC arrogant. Stanford takes it to a whole nother level. And you know what? If you can get into Stanford academically, you probably have a right to feel a little hurt. But on that note, um, USC arrives to play Stanford on the first, that's their first road game of the year after they open up against Rice. And they'll be heading up to Palo Alto on September 10th. Well, Stanford begins their fall quarter that following Monday, the 14th. Uh, I, 13th or 14th, so right around there. Um, which means the nerds are going to use that final weekend to get good and drunk and whatever else they cook up in the laboratory before they get addicted to their school books and those take over. So, um you know, if the Stanford fan shows up and fills in their 50,000 seats at their stadium, you know, it, it could be a fun little uh, beginning to this farewell tour. Then again, if Stanford fan doesn't show up, uh, who knows? Um, I'm looking forward to it for the, well, at least as a final time as Pac-12 members, if Stanford comes along for the ride eventually to the Big Ten, um, USC and Stanford will be renewing their tradition annually, and they probably will one way or another, uh, but the future, we don't know what the future holds right now. USC's second uh, road game of the season on this farewell tour uh, will be uh, two weeks later when they bid a fond farewell to Corvallis, Oregon, home of the Beavers. Uh, you know, this stadium has always been quaint, and you know, it's, it's a small stadium. I think it's, you know, capacity was around 45,000, give or take, roughly. Um, standing room, maybe it got up to 50, who knows. Well, right now, half the stadium is literally missing. Um, they're going through a renovation project. So I have a feeling the Beaver Nation went straight to the depression stage. Because, number one, they know that... Um, Nobody wants them, them or Washington State. So they're pretty depressed knowing that they're probably going to be end up ending up playing in the Mountain West or um, in a very watered-down version of the Pac-12 with more schools that have a state named after them. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's a lot of good um, programs and institutions out there, such as San Diego State and Boise State and Fresno State and San Jose State that would jump at the opportunity to say they are a member of the Pacific 10, 12, or whatever that number will be conference. So um, I'm going to miss Corvallis. It's always been a, a fun little place to visit. USC has had their uh, 
there are troubles up there. It's I don't anticipate the game being easy. For whatever reason, USC struggles when they go up to Oregon State. They have a the record doesn't reflect that. USC has come out on the winning end more times than not. Um, nevertheless, uh, whenever there's a upset happening, or and USC is highly ranked, Oregon State is usually the one administering that upset. So uh, the next uh, road game will be, and this one probably has the biggest circle around it, is going to be Utah. Um, both, and the reason being the biggest circle is both teams uh, anticipate challenging for the Pac-12 championship this year. And I have to imagine Utah is going to stay in the anger phase. Um, and, you know, these guys have barely finished unpacking their boxes and getting settled into the Pac-12. And now they're finding out that essentially their house is being condemned and torn down. Look, um, I've been to Utah many times, either going, you know, playing against you when USC would play against DYU, uh, heading out there for some uh, recruiting uh, events, seven on seven type of stuff in high school for, for high school teams. The people of Utah are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. They're always smiling, extending a handshake, willing to give you the shirt off their back. Well, I'll tell you what, when I get out there for this game, when they're smiling at me, I'm going to be thinking, I'm going to be a little concerned thinking, what are they really thinking when they're smiling at me? So um, (laughs) those are the first three games of this season on the road for USC. And before I get, get you guys linked in with the final two games on the 2022 farewell tour, why don't you head on over to uh, LinkedIn jobs because as the sun comes out and the small businesses keep getting back up into business, LinkedIn jobs wants to make it easier for your team to grow. LinkedIn jobs uh, helps you find the people you want to interview faster and they do it for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn, uh, reaching a network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Uh, LinkedIn jobs has simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you also know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So go ahead, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LinkedIn College. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOn College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So there's two more games left uh, on the first leg of USC's farewell tour in 2022. Next up is Tucson. And that's going to be on Halloween weekend when a little trick-or-treat action when USC heads down to take on the Arizona Wildcats. And I'm supposed that uh, 
because there's going to be some little trick-or-treating that let's just say they're bargaining. Get the pun? Haha. Anyways, um, they're also just waiting for an official invite from the Big 12 conference. So um, Arizona, they're going to go wherever Arizona State goes, and Arizona State is, again, they're, they're, they're waiting for the official invitation from the Big 12. They, most people think, nobody really knows, uh, that um, whomever the Big 10 doesn't scoop up, and we're um, specifically talking about the potential of Stanford, Washington, Oregon, and maybe Cal, um, the remainder of the Pac-12, the two Arizona schools, Colorado, possibly Oregon and Washington, could end up in the Big 12. I would love to see Oregon State and Washington State head over there as well, but again, I kind of explained why. Uh, these are just two small schools in the middle of nowhere. They don't offer any a TV market. They have weak brands, and their recruiting um, base is almost non-existent. Those programs have to go somewhere else. So um, with Arizona, they're a little different. Uh, they, they actually kind of fit that Big 12 footprint for whatever reason. Yes, they have a small TV market. However, they are part of the Arizona footprint and the Arizona demographic and the state population is growing really rapidly. So um, I could see them sticking around and just hanging out in that bargaining. Now, one of the things I'm going to miss, actually, I'm not going to miss going to the stadium at all. Uh, so if USC plays Arizona in the future, it'll probably be as an out-of-conference game. It's like this big concrete nightmare of a stadium in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and they have a student body that loves to party and, and get liquored up. But, you know, their football program hasn't been the, the greatest. Um, so they tend to disappear at halftime to go get in line for more beer somewhere else. There's always a party going on uh, in the desert. Um, so personally, I, I think my fondest recollection is, I, I can't remember, this is probably I, maybe eight to ten years ago, USC was playing in Tucson, and a good buddy of mine is a uh, Arizona Wildcat alum, so he and I would usually go to the game together. And we were walking on our way to our seats, and all of a sudden, this young lady comes running up. She was three sheets to the wind. I mean, I, I don't know how she ran as far as she did, jumped, leapt, and latched onto me, arms around my neck, legs around my back, and she began to give me a tongue massage for about 10 seconds and released and then goes, oh, you're not the person I was looking for and ran away. Yeah, <laughs> I was in shock. I literally had just been violated and I enjoyed it. So um, that's going to be my fondest memory of heading to Tucson. Going to miss you guys. Um, <laughs> from there, USC's final road game of the season um, will be UCLA. And it's not really a road game. It's USC's winter home. It's the Rose Bowl. 
And honestly, I can see UCLA bouncing all over the place with these five stages of grief. Um, I could see some that are still in denial. You know, the program, UCLA themselves being in denial that someone else actually wants them over Oregon and Washington, that they, that the Big Ten was willing to take them. I, I think that they, they might be in denial over that. Um, I think the fans are going to be angry. And UCLA, you know, the people who work there, behind the scenes, they might be angry because no one's talking about them uh, in the same tone like they bring up USC. When they talk about the Big Ten expanding, they talk about USC is joining the Big Ten. Oh, and by the way, they're bringing along UCLA with them. That would make me angry if I was a Bruin fan. I'm not, and I can't, and I won't ever be. Um, So as far as the bargaining stage of grief for UCLA, I I think they're bargaining with the idea that USC literally saved their butts. They saved their, USC saved their sports program by allowing them to come along with them to the Big Ten. That's got to be that's got to be difficult for UCLA and their fans to accept, knowing that hey, this is who we are, and this is we have to accept it. Speaking of accepting, we're not quite there yet with Bruin fan. Um, the, there's a lot of them who are going to be depressed. UCLA football, UCLA football fan, and for the same reason that they're kind of bargaining, and they're going to have to accept knowing that the pressure of winning in football has been removed. Um, UCLA can now focus on playing Indiana and basketball and Michigan and basketball. And they can uh, know that USC and Ohio state can pay the bills playing football. So um, UCLA, they can take their extra money that they're earning and they can now head on over to bed online. Because at BetOnline, they're your number one, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Yep. Find all of your latest sports developments, league reviews, including news and what's going on with Major League Baseball. Reminding you, the uh, All-Star Game is coming up July 20th over there. Dodgers are hosting it at Dodger Stadium. First time since 1988, I think. Gosh, it's been a long time. Anyway, uh, Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, before we get out of here, a quick update on USC's recruiting and specifically offensive line. Now, as you know, you're listening to me here on Locked on USC. When you're done, uh, I know you're all heading over to wrsc.com. Um, we got a lot of content over there for you. Uh, Scott Schrader, our recruiting expert guru, has explained um, 
has dropped a, a little nugget on Micah Benuelos, who was scheduled to give his commitment on July 4th. Well, he moved that back to July 15th, and that has now been moved back to July 25th. Um, as I just mentioned Scott's name, head on over to wersc.com and he will tell you why um, Micah has moved it back another 10 days. You'll find why, you'll also find out why it was moved to July 15th. So now I'm of the, the opinion that the longer Micah's announcement status remains in limbo, uh, the longer this drags out, um, eventually the excuses are going to run out. I'm not saying he's excuses. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. However, I'm not feeling as confident as others might be. And others are feeling extremely confident that USC is going to be the final destination for Micah. I just don't feel it because, again, the, the longer he keeps pushing this out, I just start becoming more cynical. And I'm thinking, all right, he's waiting to find, find out where Oregon is going to eventually land. Because most experts agree it's coming down to Mike is going to make a choice between USC and Oregon uh, where he's going to play his college football. So um, until Micah announces, as of right now, July 25th, uh, let's just say it's a 50-50 proposition between USC and Oregon. Uh, The news continues to... uh, Stay in the when will USC get another elite US offensive lineman committing? USC uh, took another hit when Lucas Simmons chose Florida State over the Trojans, among others. Um, no, I, I think most anticipated him staying closer to home and choosing Florida State. Again, though, others were thought USC had a really good chance. Um, look, eventually. One of these, USC is going to have to hit on one of these elite guys that they're going after. Uh, here's my optimistic thought on the issue, though. Until USC starts winning games and their collectives start getting their games started and so they can compete with the Miamis and the Texas A&Ms and the Louisvilles and the other programs who are allegedly do, using NIL to pay for play at the recruiting level, USC is going to have to focus on the transfer portal to fill in the gaps while those diamond in the roughs that they're recruiting and developing are ready to play. So, and I think this is a viable way to go uh, in the short term uh, because the transfer portal isn't going to just be fourth and fifth year players looking for, for a place to land for one year. You're going to have a bunch of players who are going to have two and three years of, of eligibility left to play because when they got out, to the place that they thought they were going to be happy at, they're not going to be happy and they're going to want to transfer. So um, I think if USC does this right and can evaluate really well those mid-tier guys, the three-star, low four-star guys, um, develop them, and then really hit the transfer portal to fill in those gaps that they're striking out, out, striking out on now, uh, they can get through until the winds start piling up and the uh, the stay doubted and the collectives can convince uh, the guys in the trenches in high school to 
head on out to USC and, and, and play the, the long game instead of the short-term game. Um, otherwise, I think USC recruiting fans and Lincoln Riley are just going to have to live in the, accept, in the acceptance stage of grief and just understand that this is what it is right now. So until then, until our next episode of Locked on USC, um, I'll be back. We want you to come back. Head on over to WeRSC.com. Check out all the content. Inside the Trojan Huddle will be published as well. Myself, Greg Katz, Eric McKinney joined us this week, as well as the musings from Chris Arledge. It's a good one. Check it out. All right, guys. Fight on.